So growing up, I had lived in an area of West Virginia where I had lots of access to water in terms of play and recreation. When I was a lot younger, when school would be out, it seemed like almost every day, my friends and I would ride our bikes uh, to various creeks and swimming holes, and um, we would uh, spend just all day uh, playing in the water for free, amen? And uh, until it would start to get dark, or whatever reason, we, or we got hungry, maybe we'd have to come home. But we would swim, we would fish, we would jump in the water, uh, we'd push each other in the water, we'd catch uh, crayfish and everything else, uh, just to have a good old time. One of the most more disgusting things we would do is there was a stream where there was a common cup on a string, and we would thought that was a big deal to take that common cup and just drink out of it. Uh, who knows who had come before uh, and whatever, uh, but we had a good time doing that. When I was older and could drive, and especially um, much older, uh, we would drive to Harvest Ferry, which was in the same county where I grew up in, and two great rivers, the Shenandoah River and the Potomac River, came together. I didn't have this on. There we go. That was the issue. Uh, the two rivers came together, so it gave you access to these great, wonderful bodies of water where we could uh, hang out. Um, and so it wouldn't take anything for us to just jump in the river. And most of the time we had rafts or we had inner tubes. And it was a law. We have to have one of these at least hanging somewhere, if not not on. Uh, but we would have great, great times. The things about the river, as opposed to what Ken said about the perfect, glorious, clear, beautiful river in heaven, uh, the Shenandoah is not quite that glorious. Uh, in fact, there's times whenever I think it's okay, yeah. Uh, but it was an adventure because you could be walking along and the water would be you know, ankle or calf deep and then all of a sudden you could fall through a hole. Now we thought that was the coolest thing. It's also very dangerous. You didn't have a life jacket on. Um, but you, it could be under your head, literally, in a matter of seconds. It was adventurous because when you jumped in and you would let the current or the rapids take you, you had no idea where you were going to go. And oftentimes, depending on the water that day, um, it was hard to stop where you were going to be going. It was adventurous because sometimes you would catch yourself getting fatigued and then just getting out of the river or getting up onto a rock to rest uh, was uh, quite a chore, and that could be adventurous. It would get adventurous at times when we'd see groups of females. Because I don't know about you, but when young adults, single young adults, see a group of females, then you really do stupid things, Ted. And you don't want to be doing too many stupid things in the water because it gets quite adventurous quickly. Something about showing off, um, but, you know, the rest of those stories. Oftentimes, we would get uh, into a little bit of trouble or reprimanded, sometimes citations by the park police. Because they had all these rules you had to follow, and uh, that was kind of annoying at times. It would interrupt your adventure. But one thing was for sure. If we said, let's go gather at the river, uh, 
we knew as young boys or young men that we were in for an adventure. Well, all this summer, we're going to be inviting our young people here um, in our summer camps, um, inviting them uh, to find adventure on the river. And so that all of our camps, the art camp here, the BBS in the park, the sports camp, the STEM camp, you get the picture, all of those camps, we're going to be using this as our theme, Rolling River Rampage. And so what comes with this Rolling River Rampage is they want you to look at uh, five gospel stories that are all adventurous in terms of, you know, uh, Jesus uh, getting into something uh, that makes for a great story and a great lesson in faith. Um, and so what we thought would be fun would be to, for us as adults and young people uh, to spend some time with four of those stories this month of June. Number one, as a way, remind people that our camps are coming up in case you want to volunteer or sign up for kids or grandkids. But more importantly, so we, you and I, can get familiar with some of these stories or reacquainted with some of these stories, A, for our own faith, our own journeys, and B, so we can have discussions with some of the young people that are running around our church uh, or in your house or wherever you might see them. And so today we just heard um, Jesus calling his disciples. And so the kids that come to our camps or the volunteers that work at our camps, you're going to hear that story one time, two times, seven times depending on how you participate. So by the end of the summer, this story uh, will be a story that we have in common and that we can have good discussions with our young people about. So that's why we're spending some time with some silly graphics. What is that thing, a beaver? I don't know what he's right. An otter? An otter? All right, so whatever that is, might seem a little bit silly, uh, but the point is to get us excited about summer camp and to be thinking and sharing these gospel stories uh, together. And so what a story to start with. It's a story that is in the beginning of the gospel, chapter 4, in the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew. Uh, and it is a story at the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. So Jesus is just beginning uh, to, grow, to go out into the world and spread this kingdom news, the good news, the gospel, uh, that says that if you believe in the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, um, then you can be part of this adventure, you can be part of this family, you can be uh, brought into right relationship with God uh, through this guy named Jesus, through faith and by grace. And this is beginning right here in this passage that um, we had read for us. This is a story that um, reminds us and serves us, serves us really in a couple different ways, important ways, right here in the beginning of the gospel, right here in the beginning of the series, right here in the beginning of the summer. It serves us in this way. Um, and, and I got some of this from a study Bible called the New Interpreter Study Bible. Uh, and in the notes, it's it, really good summation of what this passage does for us. It says, God's empire, God's kingdom, completely disrupts. I'll just stop there for a second. We could have a whole, we could have a whole sermon on that. God's kingdom 
We pray for God's kingdom to come. So when God's kingdom comes into your neighborhood, and God's kingdom comes into my heart, it disrupts. It disrupts. And it should disrupt. And if you don't want it to disrupt, stop saying the Lord's Prayer. And that means you don't want the kingdom to come. But when God's kingdom comes to the neighborhood, things will never be the same. So if you like your schedule, stop praying for God's kingdom to come. If you like your relationships just the way they are, don't pray for God's kingdom to come. If you like your boring, quiet, lazy life, does anybody have anybody had a lazy life around here, right? <laughs> the old days. That wasn't lazy either. That was hard. So I don't know what I'm saying. But if you don't want that to be disruptive, don't pray for the kingdom to come. Because when it comes, it disrupts the priorities of your life. It disrupts social contracts and contexts. And it disrupts very clearly here in this passage economic obligations. And it does so to these first two disciples. More importantly, it disrupts um, their, uh, in the second two disciples, it disrupts their father, uh, Zebedee's economic obligations. Uh, for these households, trying to support themselves by supplying the fish and fishing quotas they have contracted with Rome. So they're not just fishing um, for their own sake, to have fun and to, to relax a little bit at the river. They're not gathered at the sea just have a boys' night out, um, but they're fishing because um, they're, they, they have some contractual duties, some tax duties. They're paying their debt to Rome, for example, and they're feeding their families and the community. And so when God comes in here and takes some of the workers away from this, it's disruptive. And that is one of the things um, that this passage right away teaches us. Um, in the second part of the story, when we have the calling of James and John. Um, we see the wider impact of the family. So now it's not just James and John that have to leave some things behind. It's Zebedee, their father, who is directly affected. He's affected in a couple different ways. Number one, you know, he's maybe looking down or casting the net. He looks up. His boys are gone. So he's lost his sons, at least temporarily. Second of all, he looks, looks up. He's lost his workers. If not at least for the day, uh, but this is going to be a long term, at least a three-year term of walking with Jesus. And he's lost them. And then further, Zebedee has lost his retirement plan because, you know, eventually he was going to just leave this business to his boys. And he was going to lay back and relax because all of us in here know of retirement age that life is easy when you retire, right? You don't have to do anything anymore, right? You're not busy. You're not going to any place. Yeah, that's the biggest American lie ever, right? That's right. But for him, at least he wouldn't have to fish every day uh, for his job. He could fish for fun some. But anyway, that's disrupted. Um, so another part of this um, teaching for us and a reminder for us is that God's calling ordinary people. Fisherman. He's not calling you know, the princess, the princesses, the queen, the royalty. He's not calling the rich people. In fact, some would say the fishermen were way down on the, you know, shepherds were too, but fishermen were actually 
there's some writings that we discover uh, people just didn't like fishing in these places in this time. And so they kind of like, so that would be a shocker, like, why are we calling them fishermen? You know, nobody likes the fishermen. Why is this, you know, and so that, you know, that's that's part of this here. But he gives these fishermen, uh, when the God's kingdom comes, when the empire comes, uh, God welcomes them, these fishermen. And he gives them a new focus, you know, stop focusing on that and focus and follow me. And he gives them a new mission. Instead of fishing uh, for trout, that's a good West Virginia fish, we're going to fish for people. So he reorients, disrupts their mission. Um, and then ultimately, for us today, this story models for us, sets the tone for us, Jesus' call, and then their immediate response. And that coming into the kingdom family, being part of the Jesus empire, is nothing about um, your genes, nothing about your last name, nothing about where you've come from, but it's about being willing to do God's will. If you want to be part of this kingdom adventure, you say yes to doing God's will. And then you hold on uh, for the ride of a lifetime. I love this part, this passage, especially in uh, some other translations, but we get to it. And Ken, we did not plan this. Ken did not know what we were preaching about. Uh, but he emphasized when he was reading exactly what we wanted to focus on, and that was the immediacy of the response. And so when Jesus calls Andrew and Peter, first of all, Jesus does what I'm not doing right now. He makes his sermon very brief. Three words. Come, follow me. And the boys drop their nets and follow. Now, that's immediate. Immediately, they had a response to God's call. Not everybody in the gospel is going to do that. So this isn't just a Bible thing, like, oh, well, of course, because it's the Bible. Now, there's others that aren't going to do that. There's others that are going to say, wait a minute, let me go back and take care of some family things. And that's really where you and I wrestle with this. Because if someone came along to us at our work, at our job place, or at our fun place, and said, hey, Ted, come follow me, what are some of the things that Ted would say? Or we would say, what are some of the things we would say to that? Where, where, where are we going? What else? How much is it going to cost? Amen. Anything else? Why? Why? Yep, maybe. How long? How long? Right. So we would ask those kind of questions. And we wouldn't be bad people for asking those kind of questions. Those are natural questions to ask. Come along, come follow me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And you ask those questions. If it was church business related, like somebody came in to our meeting, our meeting place, we say, oh, whoa, 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 let's study this for a while. Let's have a committee. Let's form a committee. So if Jesus came along to Andrew and Peter, they said, wait a minute, buddy, we got to go back and have a committee meeting about this. Or today we'd say, well, Linda would say, well, wait a minute, let me Google that. 
and see what Google says. Let's ask Alexa. Alexa, should I follow this guy Jesus? I might go home and ask that for you when she's good. <laughs> so you get the point. We and and, all, and that's that is us. We've been trained that way. Because a lot of times in life, outside of faith, if we can do that, because faith should be it should be the same. But let's just say at, at our job place or hanging out with the buddies on the river, we've been trained that it's good to be cautious. And and, it, and the young people who got here, it, it can save your life to be cautious. And that, that's, true. that's true. Never miss an opportunity to delay doing something really stupid. So that we don't want to miss that. But what happens is that becomes our way of life for everything. Let me think about it. Let me Google it. Let me research it. How long? How much is it going to cost? Why? Why would I do this? Let me go talk to some other people. Let me Google it. Let me see if it's a scam. Let me talk to my grandmother. Grandmother's got wonderful wisdom. All those things. That's how we approach life. And in some arenas, that's okay and helpful and useful. But not in faith. Not in our faith. Immediately, these guys dropped their nets and followed Jesus. Immediately, these guys dropped their nets, left their dead behind, and followed Jesus. And we can do that because we know of some other scriptures that are helpful with this. We know, and what we're going to learn all summer long, is that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, God says. Isaiah chapter 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And so when God is calling you to do something, you can jump in with two feet. You can go all in. You can go and say, yes, Lord, here I am. I will go because God is going to be with you. We also know that, hey, uh, sometimes God calls us for things we feel like, oh, I'm not qualified for that. I don't have the right credentials. I don't have the right training. I don't have the right education. I haven't hung around with the right people to be able to do this. Lord, are you sure you want me to do this? Are you sure you want me to stand up and read scripture? You know, standing up and reading scripture in church is a really big deal. First of all, it's an important, all jokes aside, it's a very important job. You're reading God's word to the people of God. And so you do want to do it a good job and a thorough job and a serious job. But there are some people in this world that would rather die, literally, than stand up and read something in front of people. That's a real statistic. That's not I'm making that up. Some people say they'd rather die than give a speech. And so we'll push that. Well, no, Lord, you can't be asking me to stand up and lead the service or pray or to sing. I can't sing the tune. How am I going to be in the choir? God calls us. And do you know what happens if the call is truly from God? What the scripture tells us? God equips the call. God does not call the equipped. God equips the call. Turn to your neighbor and say, God equips the call. God equips the call. And it's true. It's so true. We want to take a step back usually. Say, whoa, 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 not me, or let me question this. And that does not work in this kingdom world. 
Kingdom comes to disrupt you. Kingdom comes to disrupt our neighborhood. Kingdom comes to disrupt what you think you know about yourself. Kingdom comes to equip you and to equip me to do God's work. The funny thing about all this is that you and I really get two things backwards that inhibit us from doing God's work and God's will. We get two things backwards that help us to destroy and bring down God's kingdom instead of doing something that builds up God's kingdom. We get two scriptures themes backwards. Most of us in here, probably all of us at times, and I would be the ringleader, speak too quickly. So things, I don't know if you've noticed, but things come out of my mouth sometimes that haven't run through a filter. That's a very dangerous place to be uh, when you're standing up in front of people in God's house. But just as an aside, I prayed about that. But seriously, I said, Lord, are you sure you want me? Are you sure you're calling me? You know the kind of things you know how I am. You know how I speak. And in the very beginning, for about a day, like my first day of seminary or two, um, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking about all my great preachers, including Pastor Melissa. I was like, I gotta be like Pastor Melissa. I gotta be mean. I gotta be strict. I gotta, <laughs> I'm joking. I'll make sure you're paying attention. But you know, put, I gotta be buttoned up. Put together, I gotta wear suits all the time. I gotta be that's not me. I can't write sermons out and quote a bunch of theologians. I, I read all the time and I know theology, I, I know all that stuff. I can't sit there and it's not, it's not me. Are you sure? I tried for about two days, one or two days. I said, I'm gonna be that way. I'm going to learn here in seminary how to be like the pastors I had growing up who I loved. And then God spoke to me and said, I didn't call you to be like Pastor Wilson. I didn't call you because you were like Pastor Jim. I didn't call you because you were like Pastor Mike. I didn't call you because of Reverend Graham, Billy Graham on TV to be like him. We already have all those people. I called you of your gifts. I called you to be you. And of course, you know, there were things for me to learn, and there still are. And I continue to try to grow, and I still do. I continue to make mistakes, and we all do. But at the fundamental core, I had to answer the call and believe that God was calling me for who I am. And part of that is. Sometimes things come out of my mouth <laughs> are not orthodox, let's just say. But I always, every week, every day, every month, I pray for the Spirit to guide my words and to, and to help me to discern and to get through that filter, how small that filter might be, but the filter nonetheless, and that is very, very, very helpful. I had no idea where we were going with that. Equipping the call. Equipping. So God will equip you. God will call you for who you are, but God will equip you. So we're called, yes, speaking. 
problem. So we're quick to speak. And that's not biblical. That's counter-biblical. James says, please, please, be slow to speak. He goes into about our tongues being weapons. And so, so often, me and you and others in the church and in the kingdom, we tear down God's empire because we just won't think before we speak. Or we won't filter our words through what we know from all the scripture. Or we'll take one word or two words or a sentence or a verse out of the Bible and we'll hit somebody over the head with it without thinking about anything else or where it actually comes from in the passage. James in the Bible, God says, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Never miss an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. But we're so good at it. We're so good at just opening our mouth and letting her fly. And that's the way we should be with our actions, not our words. Hold your words tight. Close your mouth and get to work in the name of God. In the name of God. Do what God's calling you to do. <clears throat> Speak less about it. Go for it. And God will be there as you pass through waters. And so this is a great passage. I hope that it continues to speak to you this week. Shut your mouth. I'll shut my mouth. And we'll listen for what God has to say and we'll do his will as we go forth. One thing is for sure. If you say yes to God, you will find adventure there. Amen. Amen. We're going to pause now. As we prepare to come to the table and we're going to take our offering, so we ask God to be with our hearts as we transition. To our offering today, may God have his blessing to our giving. Today's also a communion Sunday, and so following the service, we have a communion fund. There'll be a basket as you go out to the left that helps us uh, to immediately be able to help people that are in need. It's a great ministry of the church. And God adds blessings to our giving. Amen.